Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hola socios, hola equipo. My name is Neil. I'm Liam. This is John Nurnberger from Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Maury Field near Brisbane in Queensland. Edinburgh. Barcelona. And I'm a socio. I'm a socio. I'm a socio of The Big Interview. Hi, this is Taylor from Shenzhen, China. And I am a socio of The Big Interview. My favorite episodes are the insights from La Liga. Living out in China, I can't keep up with the league I love because of the kickoff times and the fact that it's just not covered out here. It's not very popular, which is very, very sad. And Graham and his insight really helps me to stay in touch with the league I love and the football I love. Owen Hargreaves was flipping splendid in this interview. I want to know who fought with each other at Bayern Munich on the training ground. Owen will share with us moments of magic, moments of wisdom with Alex Ferguson, the rows at Old Trafford, or at least at Carrington, on the training ground when boxes were taken ultra-seriously, or at least until Paul Scholes had a word with our guest, our hero, Owen Hargreaves on the golden generation of England, why it didn't work internationally. Frankly, this is above and beyond anything that you'd normally get from a footballer talking about his career. It's all in here. Don't just listen. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell strangers. I need to know a little bit about... Um, okay, the debate, I think, happened on, on the show that you guys have made famous on BT, where I think it was Jake... Uh, teased out of Frank, Rio, and Stephen Gerrard. Yeah. A really articulate addressing of something that everybody had uh, believed for a long time. And the, the first time I ever spoke to a, a current England player about an England regime was Gary Neville talking about Terry Venables in 96 and how Venables and his assistant actively went and knocked on rooms and brought people out so that there was a unity so that any club divisions or any lonely guys were, were kind of brought into the centre of the church so that I think it was maybe Bisham Abbey that were staying in what became a really exciting tournament for England, a tournament which captured people's imagination that there was a, a unity. But what people call the golden generation, which really happened thereafter, where you played with Paul Scholes and, and Gerrard and Lampard and Rio at the back, and you could name, including Wayne Rooney, really elite talents of, of all time in England. And yet, what your colleagues on television have admitted was that there was division everywhere, that there were cliques that everybody sat in club tables. One, you were kind of a... Well, you were I was, a I was an outsider mm. of the outsiders. I mean, I'm an outsider in my own family, to be fair. My mum's Welsh. Well, it is. My mum's Welsh, born in Wales. My dad's born in England. Both my brothers, one's born in England, one's born in Wales. I'm the only person in the history of my family not to be born in England or Wales. So then 
growing up in Canada, then moving to Germany, nobody could figure out where I was from. So I was born in Canada in a, in a British home, then became a man probably in Germany. And really, I didn't fit in anywhere as such because I wasn't connected to Liverpool or Man United. Or, so for me, I didn't care where the guys were from. I treated everybody the same. And mm-hmm. I can understand there's a bit of pressure in terms of, uh, you know, the Liverpool boys, you sit together, United boys sat together, Chelsea boys sat together, and then there was a few spread out where they didn't have big camps. And I thought everybody got along pretty well. Um, I, I'd have to say, I don't think the problem is that we didn't get along. I think the problem was that back then we played four four two, And, you know, it's a nice idea to think you can play all these great players and put them all in a team together. The problem we had was you know, Frank and Stevie and Scalzi, the best, some of the best players of their generation. When we had the ball, only one of them could really have it. And everybody was used to being, you know, leading the orchestra at their football club. So I think for us, when we played the smaller team, we blitzed them. And the standard in training was, honestly, it was ridiculous. I used to think we were going to blow everyone away every game. But then when we, when we get into a game, say we play a Croatia, where you still think we're better than them, we'll win. They could keep the ball. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we had all these guys who were the best in their position, and we couldn't get the ball back. So rather than having Frank and Stevie and Scolzi, you know, they were kind of dictating to us. And actually, we probably needed a bit more just the blend right. We had the best players, mm-hmm. but we were never a great team. And not so much the players as such. Players are responsible, but the manager as well. Mm-hmm. You've got to get the blend right. You know, you, I guess that's why that guy is at the front of the orchestra leading it. You know, he's a conductor, because... You need somebody to reference. And for us, we had so many reference points, whether it was Scolzi or, or David Beckham or Jared or Michael Owen or Rooney or Lampard. You know? And for us, when we played teams that were, you know, that were good in possession as well, maybe we didn't have a blend right. We had two up, Michael Owen and Emil Heskey. When we probably could have done with just one and then, and then three in midfield and, and two wingers. So I think if we had that group of players now in the era where nobody ever plays two centre-forwards, we probably would have been just fine because Frank and Stevie or Scorsi could have played together, mm-hmm. one in behind, two wingers, and we, we, you know, we probably would have been okay. One of the two principal midfielders you've named there, I'm not going to say which one, but people will be able to deduce, said that Ericsson never once said between Stephen Jarrett and Frank Lampard which one of them had to stop and sit and which one of them was allowed the liberty to go and do what they did for the clubs, mm-hmm. which was drive forward, make the passes, hit the shots. And therefore, the responsibility lies on the manager who needs to confront them. And the difference between, not just Ericsson, but any manager who won't take big decisions, and a manager like Ferguson who will tell you, and has told people really clearly, one of his great traits, he doesn't even call it like his intelligence or his network or his coaching skills, I took big decisions. And I accepted that there might be consequences. But while other people, you know, sat in the pot and hummed and hawed and read the paper and shat and got on with it and take the consequences and big decisions, handling that, you're doing this or, or else you're dropped today. Yeah. These are things that some England managers, I mean, Ericsson, didn't have the same capacity for. Well, I think if you look back, you know, the teams that were good, I mean, the 2002 team I was on, um, we lost to Brazil, who were a better team than us in, you know, in, 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 was it Japan or Korea? Despite having led. But led, but still, they were better than us, let's be honest. You know, they have Rivaldo okay. and Ronaldinho. And, 
So we get to a quarterfinal and lose. The other two, you lose on penalties mm -hmm. in a quarterfinal. So actually, you're two penalty shootouts away from a semifinal, you know, which is, which is probably in and about right, maybe, for that group of players. Probably should have won something. Mm -hmm. But I think Sven managed in a way that was right for the players, you know, is how people manage now. Not so much screaming and yelling. And yeah, maybe a, a couple moments he could have said, look, I need this or I want that. But I think he also allowed the players to be players, you know, and, and, and trusted. I, I think the biggest thing for us is if we play two center forwards, both of those guys, especially when we play good teams, we're going to have to be defensive players. It was almost unfair on them. You know, you think about even Scolzi, you know, Scolzi, in the end, he, he retired because, you know, he felt like maybe... He was completely misused. Yeah, and, and you know, in a way, we kind of failed a bit of those generational players because... Really, if they were used right, you know, it would have worked. But because we tried to shoehorn everybody into a team and get all these players together, we were getting people maybe doing something that they weren't getting to do for the football club and score 20 goals from midfield. Because when we played somebody else that was, you know, great on the ball, they didn't have the ball, you know, so... But, okay, in your experience, given your attitude to the ball or whatever sport you're playing... Why did a culture grow up in England where England was still producing extremely talented footballers? But this concept of keeping the ball and how important that was, why, how did it seem to you that it wasn't there? Because you've said that against slightly lesser teams, if you don't have the ball, then your talents can't flow. How the hell did that culture grow up in England? Yeah, but the, the point is, football's just not all about just, you know, having the ball and keeping possession because how many touches does a top player get in a game, in say, in a in a Champions League night. You know, when you, when you blow away a team, I think Jorginho had 180 the other day. I mean, that's, that's absurd. But in a game of that, you might have 60, 70, 50, for it depends. But the point is, it's about having quality touches and using the ball in, in those moments well. And I think the, the better players make less mistakes. That's where I'm getting, because I'm not anybody for sterile possession. Your possession needs to be able to pull people apart or to find a player, maybe a pre-rehearsed move. Whatever it might be, you use the ball to advance, to, yeah. to damage your opponents and to score. I'm talking about gifting it away needlessly, not keeping it in a tournament, not keeping it in the heat, doing things that maybe are a little bit for show. But a lot of that is mental, you know, is, is the, the, you know, the pressure of the moment. You know, like I said, you only really know players when it's bad. You know, you, it's, and it's true, you know, forget when you're cruising and you're up to and somebody gets a third goal. I couldn't care less. Mm -hmm. I really, you, I think you only know players when it's, when they're up against it and you think, right, you know, now, now you get to see people's true colours. So in terms of, do you want the ball when it's, when it's bad, you know, when, when things are going the wrong way or when you're turning over possession or can you find a way to get high of the pitch and press and, and compete? And I think for us, we, we had every attribute to, to win something. But for whatever reason, in those moments where it started to get away from us, it got away from us, you know? The Germans, for, for whatever reason, they could get it back on track and, you know, get through it and, and figure it out. It's something that's, that was an issue for us, and I don't know why, because all the players succeeded at the football clubs. We couldn't... Once, once it started to get away from us, we couldn't get it back. Mm -hmm. And I think really that is one of the most important things, you know, is that competitive side, but then also managing... Right, we're under the cost, we're, we're struggling here, right, let's, let's get back in or get our shape or, or make the pitch big so we, you know, we know we can hit those guys and get out and then we can come back in, in between the lines. I think we forget, not just players, but managers, we didn't deal with that situation well because we, we expected, honestly, the training 
with England was off the scale. It was the best level of football I've, I've, I've ever seen. But the problem is nobody saw it, just us. And then when we got into the moment in the game, in the first 20 minutes, fine, and then, say, under a bit of pressure, you know, 50, 60 minutes, we couldn't produce the same level. And, and that's not really what's needed to win and to be a champion, to be great. You have to have it in that moment. It has to be there. You know, it, it has to be even better than you can produce maybe normally. And we, for whatever reason, we couldn't, we couldn't reproduce that. You were born with that. You've attributed it a couple of times to having to play with bigger brothers. You maybe kick you around or Effenberg giving you a hard time. But was it still something valuable in your life, not just as a footballer but as a, as a guy, having ultimately worked for the ultra-competitor in Alex Ferguson? And, and did he teach you things? Well, I think the only reason I was going to leave Bayern was to play for Sir Alex and played for Man United. I mean, other teams came in for me. But Bayern Munich was a massive club. I don't think people realise how big a club yeah, Bayern Munich is. You know, when with England, we were at the World Cup in 2006, and all the lads couldn't get over how beautiful Germany was. And uh, they said, you know, now I understand why you play over here. And we, I used to play those guys in the Champions League all the time, the Chelsea boys and the Liverpool and Arsenal. We, we beat them, you know, pretty much always. So I think everybody knew, but the broader perception was, why is this, why is this guy playing, playing in Germany? Stupid old Bayern Munich. But Bayern was a big club, you know. It was, and um, it was hard to leave there because I was there for 10 years and, uh, you know, I really felt close to the club. But I wanted a new challenge and I wanted to play for Sir Alex. And Sir Alex was, was somebody that, you know, I thought could take me to the next level and help me improve because I just felt like I had potential that I hadn't really uh, tapped yet. You, you didn't want a comfort zone because... No, I wanted I saw, the opposite of my comfort exactly. zone. Yeah. Because yeah, what you didn't mention there is, if had you stayed at Bayern Munich, frankly, you'd have won probably a couple of trophies every season for the remainder of your career. Yeah, I got, I got bored of that. You know, with the utmost respect, you know, I'd won the league four times, the cup three times, the Champions League, and I was 26. You know, I wasn't German, you know. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't identify as much as Munich was my mm-hmm. city. I wasn't German, you know. I wasn't one of the, I wasn't Schweinsteiger or Lamb or, or one of those guys, so... I wanted a fresh challenge, you know. We were just going through a phase where we were transitioning from the old to the younger generation. And we, um, that summer when I left, Ribéry came in, then Robin came in, and then, and then they kind of started again. And I just wanted a fresh start, and I wanted to leave my comfort zone because I felt too safe, you know. And mm. I think the only way to get better in life is if you leave your comfort zone. So going there and having the opportunity to play on the Alex at, at Old Trafford uh, with Giggsy and Scalzi, you know, I felt like I was dreaming. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. When we sat down with Michael, he, he talked about, like, I want to be in that box. I want to be in the top box. And Fletch the same. Yeah. The box is for anybody who hasn't listened before. Where have you been? <laughs> He's at, at the cliff or Carrington, in your case. Um, where it's the passing drills. The Spanish call it the rondo. Yeah. They stand in a circle, two, three in the middle. It's chase ball, yeah. and it's brilliant to watch yeah. when it's done correctly. Yeah. The boxes. Tell me your experience of the boxes. Love, love the boxes. I mean, look, we used to have managers that we'd always start training with a box. That yeah. was the first, it wasn't yeah. even a warm-up, it was just boxes. 
And um, it was the best part of the session, best part of the day. And uh, then some people took the boxers away and they were not well liked by, by the lads. Name them. Well, no, I don't know why. We went through a phase where we didn't do boxers. And it just, it's like the guys just want to play with the ball. Mm-hmm. And um, the boxers literally was... We were talking about yesterday with Scalzi in, 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 in Rio, you know, like some players are brilliant in the boxes and other players. Um, I remember Scalzi said yesterday, Van Persie was the only player who couldn't read in the box. The only player, because you can read people, you know, because you can, you know where they're going to pass. Some people are more obvious Habits, than others. body shape. Yeah, whereas some people are just, you know, like I guess I, I never played with Robin, but he said Scalzi, which is a big statement, Scalzi. He said the only player who couldn't read in the box and um, they were brilliant you know whether to when you can nutmeg people or or just get the tempo and if you've got 20 or 25 passes then you know see so. I think the universe is in there again this is not visual medium so talking about the boxes Owen's face is split into this huge yeah. grin and he's almost back there already and it's made me grin too you can hear it in my voice but like um, the technical guys are going like, this is a perfect way to bring my technique from superb to blindingly superb. Yeah. The competitive guys like you are like, who can I not make? How long can I stay outside? We we'd Quinton Fortune here recently, and he taught us about the the rough ride Ronaldo was given originally about like always putting him in the middle, and his tricks were for show, not to yeah keep exactly him, yeah it's true yeah not to keep him yeah from going in the middle and as soon as he was in the middle he hated it and would learn to use the ball differently the, the universe of personality psychology in those boxes uh, and, and also the superiority of not being the guy in the middle for as long as possible well definitely and you also had some of the older guys like if you came new to the team you'd have to say like Giggsy he would fizz one into you you know to test your touch or you know and you got to fizz it back you know because in those moments it's not so much the guys are all testing you really you know and you have to be able to cope without, you know, a bit poker face, you know. So rather than, you know, and you've got to be cheeky. You've got to take the piss a little bit. You know, you've got to show a bit of flair, but you also got to be serious, you know. So when I used to go train with the young kids sometimes, you know, when I was coming back from injury, you know, I remember one of the first days that Pogba was in that group and I, they did the box. And I said, I stopped after a minute. I said, lads, this is rubbish. This is not football. Pass the ball properly. I said, if you want to do a bit of skill, do a bit of skill. That's fine. But it's got to work. But I said, pass the ball properly. Start properly and make these boys in the middle run. And that's what we got from with, with Man United, with the boys. Yeah, there was a bit of flair and there was a bit of... But the ball was popping. The ball was moving. And the point is to make those guys in the middle run. I remember at Bayern, if you were in the middle, if you were in too long, the lads used to, they used to go mental. They used to smash the life out of each other. People got injured for fun because people's... Pride was was hurt, you know, for being in too long. Whereas at United, I think I just tried to smash a couple of people, and Scalzi pulled me aside one day. Said, "Oh, we don't need to do that. Yeah, it's, it's different than Bayern." I said, "Okay, Scalzi, okay." So Bayern, and who are we talking about? Because I'd imagine Effenberg probably just refused to... Jens Jeremy. Oh yeah, he would. He would smash. He's them. a monster. If somebody, if somebody, if you make Jens, oh I, I'd God. imagine Sami Kufa. Would smash you. It'd smash you. Sally Hamidic Sally would w- wouldn't be in the middle often, I wouldn't have thought. Or sports or shawl. No, look, if, yeah, it depends. If you, if you, a lot of it's just concentration because all the guys really have the ability not to be in there if they don't want to. But um, Effenberg, yeah, I mean, he would, he would always, even if he played a bad boy, he'd send the young kid in. You know what I mean? Come on, get in, get in there. You know? And you'd have, to, you'd, have to, you'd have to swallow it. But all the guys interpreted the box different, but... In Munich, for sure. I mean, literally. I mean, guys, there'd be fights, you know, with 
arguing over balls or people that poor challenge, I mean, dreadful challenge. Carsten, he used to smash the life out of people in now, the Now, I don't want to be rude, but like, although he was very effective in his way, I would judge he wasn't on the same technical level as the people you've been talking about. That's my opinion. No, no, and that's probably I'm not why I'm my dad, but that's probably why I used to smash people, and he, he did. The boxers at United were great because they were quite technical and fun. The ones at uh, Barn, you really had to be on your toes and jump every time because people were coming and smash. <laughs> the dive it. in is a dive yeah, yeah. in. Oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm talking proper challenges. It's funny how you talk about when you hear about that. Um, a lot of players at elite clubs. You must recognise this thing. Training was harder than playing. Training was harder than the matches. You worked at ultra intensity in training so that the weekend was fun. Recognise? Yeah, especially at Bayern. We used to argue and fight and have rows, you know, in the training games. I remember even the Champions League final with, um, when we played Chelsea, and I was talking about it with Rio. We did a training game the night before, so you, you train in the stadium. Yeah. And uh, I remember young Welbeck was in the opposition's team, so Rio was in my team. We must have played nine aside or whatever. And um, young Welbs was, was doing all right. So I, I said to Rio, I can, any chance, Rio? He's 19, you know what I mean? He's had a pop at me. And, and in the end, I think we lost the training game, right? And so Alex, he came over at the end. And we weren't fighting, but we argued and we rowed because we wanted to win the training game, and, and, and that was the point, you know, forget what happened the next day, we were able to win. That training game the night before meant as much to us as the one the next day that, that everybody was watching, nobody was watching that one, so I came, come on, like, come down, save it for tomorrow. You know, but that, that's the beautiful thing, at, at that level, nobody wants to, the great ones, I think, don't want to look bad ever. Lose anything Don't ever. want to lose anything, you know, and... And that's the whole point. If somebody on the other side starts, you know, taking the piss or whatever, then the lads, you know, they, then there's a bit of competition that goes with that and then they're going to feel it too. So I think that's the level I grew up with at Bayern was every day you had to be, you know, I never played in a team that didn't have European football midweek. So even if you played Saturday, you had a cool down or you had training Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. every session meant something. Mm. I never had a week where I had three days off or four days off. Like I mean, I've heard coaches... And players say that certain special footballers are allowed to be treated differently. The rules don't apply to them. They're allowed to do X and Y. Eppenberg, I think we've established probably you know, one of them. Um, can, maybe another. Is, is that something... Is it true that, that if, if you're a successful player and an enormous personality and maybe a linchpin at a club, that not all the rules have to apply to you? It's a difficult balance the strike I think because at some point you have to realise that everybody's treated slightly differently mm-hmm. but I think the skill is to treat everybody the same and not make it too obvious that certain people have mm. extra privileges and I think guys like Effenberg and Kahn they earn the right to have those but the only issue is when performance doesn't mm. match up to personality so mm-hmm. we had won the league in the Champions League and then we came back and then I think Effenberg got an injury and you know, had some weight issues, and but he still carried the same meaning in the team, mm-hmm. the same personality, and we were struggling for whatever reason. And he kept calling as the captain. He kept calling all these team meetings to say, right, well, come on, we're going to suss it, we're going to sort it out, we're going to sort it out. And I remember he and the one day just said to him, "Fucking sort yourself out mm-hmm. first, by the way, mm-hmm. before you try and start worrying about us." Mm-hmm. You get that, and you earn that privilege, and you earn that right. Mm-hmm. But if it's not there, it comes away real quick. I'm sorry to say it, but it's like the jungle. You watch National Geographic. It is, 100%. And the old guys, the boss, the boss, the boss. No, you're not. Yeah. On him. It goes quick. And, you know, and it didn't, wasn't long. And then I think he went to Wolfsburg or somewhere. So 
you get that, and I think you earn that right, which is great. But it needs to be backed up, kind of still on the pitch, mm, you know. Always, always. And you're given that right from the manager, and I don't mind that. I think it's right that you, the manager, you know, has people that he trusts. But ultimately, it has to be backed up on the football pitch. Partly because work calls, because um, as I say in all these interviews, I could do about another month of this, um, but we won't. Before I ask you another question that our sponsors set in, um, Lederhosen, does it require talcum powder? Weird, weird. I mean, it's a weird outfit. I mean, I, when I first got there, all the foreign boys hated them, you know, all the, the yes. South Americans we had, and they said, I'm not wearing that. Yeah. No chance I'm wearing that. But then once they got to the uh, Oktoberfest and saw how it was received and saw how many pretty girls were at Oktoberfest, then they, <laughs> I think everybody thought, right, give me another one of them, I'm going to get a new colour. So I think it's great that, you know, traditions, it's sad, a lot of the young guys, you know, are not aware of some of the traditions, yeah. the, the big traditions, and Bayern Munich and Lederhose. And it's, so do the, do the full thing, it's, it's blue check shirt, I think, braces. Well, it can vary, you know, it, really it's shorts. Um, socks, kind of a dodgy pair of shoes. It can be any shirt. It can be can be colourful. Okay. Can be not. Can be white. Um, you know. Can be the suspended types thing or not. Can be a jacket. Can be a cardi. I mean, now they're they're super tailored and instructed. But yeah. when we first got there, a lot of the boys, you know, Santa Cruz and Pizarro and Demi Kalis and uh, no danger, no danger. I'm ever wearing. No, them. they just they just couldn't get their head around it, you know, because it is quite different to wear a leather outfit. But once we got to the Oktoberfest, you know, the lads loved it. Are you allowed the beer at that stage? If you what? Oh, I mean, we used to go to this place called Caper, which is like one of the best restaurants in Munich, and um, they have like a, a tent, which is probably a bit more refined than the average tent at the yeah. Oktoberfest. And we used to always have a day there, but sometimes we didn't go with Brian if the results weren't right. But uh-huh. it was a big event. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, if you're winning, you get all the freedom in the world. Mm-hmm. If you're not, then you know Karlheinz Rummenig and Hernes and Beckenbauer are there, you know. We didn't go. <laughs> They're tough guys. So Bet365 set this through as well. And you've touched on some of the themes, so I'm probably going to have to ask you to be specific and say why. But what do you miss most of everything since you stopped playing? Uh, the camaraderie and the competition. They're the two best things. I was, I was fortunate. I played in teams that won stuff virtually always. And I know everybody strives to win and stuff, and it's a nice thing. And it is nice, but the journey is, is equally as beautiful. You know, the, you know, coming through as a kid and getting into the first team and then having something to show for it at the end of it, you know, achieving all these things that you set out is, um, is amazing. And I think it's, it was so cool that I could become a pro because it was never on the cards for me growing up in Canada. And then to, to reach the level I did and play with and against some of the, you know, players much better than me, but realizing that you can influence a game of football without being the best player. And it was quite, um, it was really rewarding in that sense that I realized I didn't have to be the most technical player on the pitch to influence the game. And I think that's what a lot of young kids need to learn. It's not all about having the ball at your feet. There's only one ball, there's 22 players. Find a way to be an asset to your coach, to your teammates, that you become irreplaceable. If anybody takes anything from this series of podcasts... It should be that. Attitude, competitiveness, hard work, and the world is your ostrich. Oyster, even. <laughs> oh, and brilliant chat based on a brilliant career. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for being so generous for so much time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for season 2018-19. 
We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a socio, become a paying member and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. Last season, socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football. I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.